0: Hey, this is Bills Vader, and you're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts Andrew and Justin. May the Bills be with you.
1: Go Bills! Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show here on the Built in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang, and finally alongside me is my, I guess, co-host who's been uh, out out there just, you know, taking a, a long off-season. <laughs> no, no, he he's great. He's been uh, trying to lock down a car, like I mentioned on the last podcast, and he finally secured that contract and the physicals checked out. So he's got a new vehicle. Everyone, Justin Goddard, my co-host. How are you doing tonight?
0: I, I am wonderful. Um... For many reasons, including what you just mentioned, um, was able to get myself a new car. The uh, the old one was becoming a big stressor in my life, so glad to uh, be putting that chapter behind me. Um, also, a little bit of different setup this week. There's going to be another new setup next week. Just got done with the process of moving. <laughs> um, so a lot going on there, and pretty much got all that behind me now, so... Moving forward, and then you know, of course, I missed a doozy of a week last week. Von Miller's and Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. um, just Tim Settle, DaQuan Jones, just some crazy moves and some more motion since then. But really exciting
1: time of the off season. Absolutely, absolutely. It's almost like you were paying your car like starter tackle money, but really it was just like a. Like a practice squad car. It was, if it, anything. Was,
0: it was Bobby Hart.
1: Yeah, it was Bobby Hart. You thought you were getting, you thought you were getting some starting caliber type of vehicle, but you were you were just getting a junker vehicle. <laughs> That's really what you had. Anyways, so as you alluded to, crazy off season. We already recap the first wave, and almost like this, I don't want to say second wave because the second wave really kind of comes after the draft and. What we're going to talk about tonight is, or today really, is cleaning up all the moves since then. And on the last pod, I believe I talked all the way up to, who was it, the trade for Case Keenum and how he's on the bills for $3.5 million, which is a steal, by the way, in my opinion. Um, And outside of that, we just got to talk about some other characters and some influential bargain deals, in my personal opinion. And then after that... We'll talk about the thirteen reasons to why to be uh, why to be optimistic, and then wrap up the pod. So, Justin, I know you're a big fan of Case Keenum, but we also saw on social media another quarterback type out his or tweet out his expression for Bills Mafia and how he was so excited to come back. One Matt Barkley, a guy you know, the Bills really loved. Brandon Bean spoke about him and how he when he ended up signing with Tennessee and then that and then since then bounced around from practice squad to practice squad that he loved what the Barclays did for the Bills and just who how nice of people they were. He finds his way back to the 716 with the Buffalo Bills and once was a thin quarterback room because it was just Josh Allen and now we have Josh Allen, Case Keenum and now the aforementioned Matt Barkley. How does that make you feel?
0: Uh, so I, I was initially very leery of this because I I started seeing some of the action about Barkley before I actually saw the news of Case Keenum. Um, and I, I was really nervous about the idea of Matt Barkley being quarterback two again, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, just such a different skill set than Josh Allen. Um, just... Talent wise, he's not, not a guy I want to come in to play two, three, four games if Allen goes down. All right. um, but seeing Case Keenum come in and Barkley coming back as the third quarterback, I, I absolutely love that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have been okay with Davis Webb staying in that role, but that quarterback three is really, you know, ultimately an emergency quarterback. You never really plan on them touching the field. And they're more of like an extension of the coaching staff, you know, talking X's and O's on the sideline in the quarterback room. And I believe Josh has gotten to the point where he doesn't really need a mentor anymore. But it's kind of just like that that guy to ping pong ideas with on the sideline of, you know, hey man, when you see this, I notice this underneath. And I, I think that he's I think Barkley's a great mind to, to have in
1: that room with Josh Allen, so I'm excited yeah. about him as, as a third quarterback. Yeah, you know, when I saw him tweet out Buffalo with like 18 zeros, I I, I truly, and I don't know if you, if you thought this too, I thought that it was maybe him getting ahead of himself saying like, oh, I, I'm coming back to Buffalo because right shortly after that, we saw the Case Keenum move happen. And I thought to myself like, oh, that's awkward. Looks like he's not coming back (laughs) Uh, like me or maybe maybe he does like I don't know so they we basically swapped out Mitchell Trubisky for Case Keenum and Davis Webb for Matt Barkley and I'm not upset about it I think the quarterback room although I'll admit it's not as strong as it was last year because Mitchell Trubisky is a starting level quarterback in this league is he the best no but he is definitely the best backup in the NFL, in my personal opinion, and that's not thing to take away from Case Keenum, because like you said, there's a whole lot of work that comes in to be in in being the backup quarterback. And I, it's almost weird for me to say that, because the most I think about a backup quarterback is Alex Moran from like Blue Mountain State, which pretty <laughs> much just sits there, drinks parties and like, you know, just has fun. And then, you know, oh, I got to play. All right, like, but I guess there's a lot more work that goes into it in terms of like tutorage and like saying, hey, like prepping the QB1 t- for that game leading into Sunday. So there's a lot more that goes into it and outside of the X's and O's. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy that Matt Barkley and Case Keenum are here. Moving on, we got to talk about our guy or our former rival, Jameson Crowder. He comes to the Buffalo Bills on what a one year with incentives like four million dollar deal or something like that. Yeah, that sounds that's, about right to me. That's not bad because we were paying we were gonna pay Cole Beasley somewhere I know upwards of like seven maybe seven eight nine or something like that. I I can't really remember, but the 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 Cole Beasley saga. We know it finally ends. He requests a trade. He leaves. And I have, guys, I, I already said this. I love Cole Beasley for what he meant for Josh Allen's development. If you don't like Cole Beasley as the person, fine. So be it. You're entitled to your own opinion. And I'm not going to argue with what your opinions are because those are yours. But you cannot, well, I shouldn't say that. You have to admit that they, that him coming to Buffalo with John Brown significantly helped Allen's development because we saw the jump that he took and then the jump after that. And it just happens to coincide with the contracts of John, one John Brown and Cole Beasley. So I will always love John Brown and Cole Beasley for what they meant to this team and ultimately Josh Allen to be number one. So, He's gone. We get Jameson Crowder on a cheaper deal. And I'm actually pretty pumped up about this. This is a guy that I I'm not going to lie, I was kind of concerned about Justin when he came from Washington to the Jets because the Jets were doing that what New England kind of did last year where they just got a bunch of like big name free agents and Jameson Crowder, although he he probably wouldn't have gotten that kind of big money contract in this off season considering all the crazy moves that we saw, but he he was a player that I noticed in washington was and as a big yak guy he was fast and we saw that kind of work against the bills um with some erratic quarterback play coming out for the new York Jets, and he still produced i think. This is a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good pickup. He's coming over here on a one-year deal to kind of put some respect on his name, really, and then so he can free up himself next offseason and potentially find a bigger deal. And if not, I suspect that he'll always have a spot here unless there's a huge drop-off from him. So I like the pickup. It's a great addition considering the departure of Cole Beasley love the guy and he brings a lot of yak potential something that the bills don't really have (laughs) well how do you how do you feel about that
0: yeah i'll i'll start by kind of echoing your your sentiment on cole beasley like last year was kind of a a weird year and you know he kind of fell out of favor with a lot of bills mafia and and i get it and you know all the things that you mentioned i'm not really going to touch that but to your point um, what he meant for the development of Josh Allen, how reliable he was. Um, just, you know, he had the best years of his career with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Um, so that that's something that, as a fan, you know, I really appreciate, and I, I value what Cole Beasley brought to this team, um, what he was able to do to help Josh Allen. Um, that being said, I I am sad to see Cole go, and I think Crowder is... Kind of up there with with one of the better replacements you could have brought in for Cole Beasley. Um, you mentioned the Yak, um, something that this team is severely lacking. And I I, I want to say that we were last in the league as far as yards after catch. Um, definitely tor- good. Yeah, definitely towards the bottom. Um, so just an option there for for some movement after the catch. Um, he he has that skill set out of the slot and. I don't think this is going to be... I think this contract matching up with Isaiah McKenzie's is kind of going to get the best out of both players. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, we might end up paying one guy a little bit more than the other with incentives. Um, but whoever whoever we end up paying a little bit more is going to be the guy that's earning it and making a bigger impact on the team. Um, so I think the contract that we were able to line up with him, the way it's going to mesh with McKenzie... I think you kind of got the best of both worlds and kind of that the zone beater in Crowder and kind of the man beater in Isaiah McKenzie. And I think, I think it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. kind of game-by-game game matchups specifically um, yeah. who can have a bigger week here and there. And I, I really like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you just said right there. One thing that I can say for sure is that McKenzie has in my opinion, at least last offseason, has proven that he has proven himself to be effective in those over-routes against the Patriots. So <laughs> uh, so if you want to play man, that's fine. We'll send our guy Lil' Dirty out there, which I didn't even know was his nickname, Lil' Dirty. <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, moving on, we got to talk about two other guys, and then one offseason move that the Bills didn't make but does impact the Bills season. And I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, but we got to talk about Greg Mann's center, but I guess he can play some other positions. And then running back, Duke Johnson. I think Greg Mann's is kind of pretty much a, a sign that Ryan Bates is most likely gone. And I I want Ryan Bates to stay. I do. I think the Bills' offensive line was significantly better and more consistent when he Got on the field, but it looks like uh he's probably going to go to the Bears. And we're recording this on Sunday, the twenty seventh of March. So anything could happen between the end of this recording and tomorrow and the following week. I, I don't really know how much time the Bills have left, but hey, maybe we have Greg Mans and Ryan Bates? Question mark. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. And then we have Duke Johnson. Uh, I guess he's kind of the backup plan to what Brandon Bean wanted to get out of uh, McKissick. And I already mentioned this last time, right? McKissick, he he stays. And I'm not going to blame him because I'll use this analogy. I don't know if I brought this up on the last pod, Justin, but when I graduated from the University of Buffalo, with my bachelor's, I applied for their master's program to stay in Buffalo. I didn't get in. And I was pretty torn up about it. I was like, damn, I gotta go back. And then I ended up getting into NYU, my you know, uh, you know, my shot in the dark program. And I remember that feeling of, okay, I got I I'm definitely going to a better school, but I still wanna stay in <laughs> Buffalo because it's comfortable. I, and we're we're creatures of habit and i i don't know i i really wanted to stay everything was great here i had a life i had good friends but unfortunately well with hindsight fortunately i moved to new york city and that's that's no shade going to the city of buffalo cuz i love buffalo i would definitely see myself living there in the future but um it it ended up being a really good move for me and hey in this McKissick story he had the opportunity to go back to to my quote unquote buffalo so i i understand why he did it i'm not going to blame him it wasn't his fault it was more so the washington front office which they they did something that was kind of like all right i mean you could do that you just kind of look like a sleazeball for doing it <laughs> <laughs> realistically so in this analogy you just made here, you you ended up going
0: off to play with Josh Allen instead of staying behind and playing with Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah, basically. Sounds like it worked out for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, McKissick was. I was just like, yeah, I want I want to stay. I get yeah, it.
0: <laughs> and I, I don't blame him for that. It's kind of a a weird situation. Um, I I was really excited for McKissick, but I I think you also get. A pretty similar skill set in Duke Johnson. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, the the pass catching option, I think he maybe offers a little bit more in like the the conventional running back between the tackles mm-hmm. um, role, whereas McKissick is a little bit better out of the pass uh, out of the backfield catching the ball. Um, at least in my opinions, uh, I know if you kind of break down the numbers, they're they're eerily similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this is a situation where I don't think this precludes us from looking at somebody in the draft, maybe in the later rounds. And I think this is I think this is an example of Bean filling the holes before the draft um, so he mm-hmm. can really just go best player available. he can make his moves that he wants to do. And I wouldn't be surprised when, when we're lining up to start next season if Duke Johnson isn't kind of that. Uh, third running back inactive on game days because we brought somebody else in. Um, But as it stands, I I do like the player, and I like what he can bring to this offense. Um, As far as Greg Mance goes, um, I kind of have a little differing opinion on you where you said is, you know, maybe that means Ryan Bates is out the door.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think Mance was brought in kind of as the insurance policy in case Bates was gone but also, you know, Bates wasn't starting out the uh, year last year starting, and he kind of filled that role of having the positional versatility, um, can play center if the center goes down, can, can uh, flip between the guard spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's kind of with the plan of Bates coming back and an insurance policy if he doesn't. Um, yeah. But I think the best case scenario here is you are able to match the offer for Bates, and then you still have that that backup. And as far as Bates goes, um, we have until March 29th to match the
1: offer from the Bears. So we'll know in the next couple of days. Sure. So I, I guess what I was trying to I completely agree with what you're saying. And I, maybe I didn't say this. I I guess when a guy like Greg Mance comes in, it's kind of like hedging your bets. Like, all right, if... If Brian Bates does leave, then at least we have Greg Manns is what I was trying to say. Maybe I didn't say that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like the floor is Greg Manns. So yeah, definitely a need in going into the draft. <laughs> uh, and I guess, I guess we'll talk about needs real quick. Uh, but before that, we'll talk about the off season moves for the Miami Dolphins and one particular one. And I didn't talk t- we, this isn't like a pre-recorded uh, discussion that Justin and I had. I'm just dropping this on him right now. I think the Dolphins had a pretty good offseason. And we always knew that they were going to have this good off season. They had the cap. Their defense is pretty good. Their offense is on the rise. And they just acquired one of the most... Electric wide receivers in the game in Tyreek Hill, the cheetah. They got Teron Armstead. They got Connor Williams to shore up that left side. So, yeah, so I guess that'd be Josh Allen's right tackle area or Josh Allen's Spencer Brown (laughs) and right guard area. But, yeah, so they, they completely redid that left side of the offensive line and they got speed. They also got what's his name running back um who requested a trade from the 49ers Foster uh, Ra- Ra- Raheem Mostert Ra- Raheem Mostert? Why did I say Foster? I don't I don't really know that. Raheem Mostert. So we got they got Raheem Mostert. So definitely I I see I see that this is basically like them trying to replicate what what uh San Francisco has done. I see Tyreek Hill being their Debo Samuel. I think that what they did was exactly what what Brandon Bean did when he traded for a guy like Stefan Diggs. They isolated the variable. You cannot be upset if with your team, or basically what they said is like, all right, Tua, you have no excuses. We fixed the line. We got a good number one, a solid number two, you got a good running game. And not only that, this is a quarterback-friendly system in the Shanahan-type offense. So if you can't produce in this, if you can't even look like, if you can't produce Jimmy G numbers in this type of offense, that's got to say something. Like, who was the backup um, that we played up? played against on Monday night football against San Francisco, like last year. What's his name? Oh my God. Was it Nick Mullins? Yeah. Nick Mullins. CJ Bethard. No, I think Nick it was Mullins. Mullins. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't like, if a guy like Nick Mullins can come into that offense and produce like to a like buddy, if you can't do that, you're just, you're clearly not the guy in my opinion. And that's exactly how I would have felt if Josh Allen couldn't have produced after we got a guy like Stephon Diggs. Like, what else do you want? <laughs> Am I wrong here, Justin? like the, the the dolphins have done everything that they need, and the reason why I'm talking we're talking about this is because the dolphins have clearly become a contender for the AFC East Crown. And uh, I think that ultimately the Bills will pull out on top because I'm a homer, but it de- the the gap has definitely gotten smaller between us.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you kind of made the the comparison to um, what the Bills did, kind of isolating the variable, because um, I I see the situations as very similar, and it really helped Josh Allen out and. Personally, I'm not a big fan of Tua. I I haven't seen anything that's really overly impressed me, and I I think they had some talent around him. But now, that, like, there's just an embarrassment of riches: mm-hmm. Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill um, with that speed. Yeah, he might not have the strongest arm to push the ball down the field, uh, but the speed that those guys have, you can you can stretch the field horizontally and work under routes and. Mm-hmm. Tyree Kills and Jalen Waddell are the type of dudes they can hit you with a quick slant and take it the distance. Um, So what I think is really interesting in this situation is that they're still loaded up with draft capital in the next couple years, and you have a new coach coming in, and he has no ties to Tua. Um, So, yeah, he has the draft pedigree, you know, he was an early first-round pick, so they're kind of giving him every opportunity to succeed. But, I mean, if it doesn't happen this year, there's there's nothing stopping them from making a quarterback change the following year. And with this being a year where it's not an extremely deep quarterback class, you know, mm-hmm. people are talking about the lack of talent there, maybe they just kind of decide to roll with Tua, maybe a combination of, of Tua and, and Teddy, and maybe they reassess that position next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all the improvements that they've made, you're talking a Dolphins team that has been sniffing at the playoffs the last two years. And if they even get slightly better quarterback play, and with the weapons around Tua right now, right. Uh, that, they become uh, immediately the number number one threat in the AFC East, rather.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. I won't speak too long about this, but the Dolphins were so close to the playoffs, and I'm I'm taking my Bills hat off here, and I'm just trying to be objective. Like if, at just, I'm just trying to be fair when I say this. The Dolphins were so close to the playoffs. What, two out of the past three years, mm-hmm. right? And they have no one to blame but themselves. It's pretty much like. It's how I looked at how the Colts lost to the Jags last year or this most recent season, like you were right there, and for whatever reason you you just didn't do it, and that year that they had to beat the Bills backups to get into the playoffs now granted, they were like three wild card potential teams that were all 10 plus win teams, one of which was Miami. Like, dude, you, you were playing the bills backups and you, you still couldn't get it done. Not only I, that got trounced. Yeah. So I, I mean like no disrespect to, to them at all, but, and again, I'm just trying to take my fan head off here, but like on paper and theoretically that makes zero sense. Why you, lo- why you didn't make the playoffs personally. I I thought they were going to be there but they weren't. So I was I I was just like what the what the hell's going on? Like you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, all right, Bills hap going back on. Let's let's just talk quickly before we get into this break about and we're done here with the Dolphins. And I like what the Jets did and the only thing that what I mean, what did the what did the Patriots do. They re-signed Trent Brown and traded away Shaq Mason. That that's pretty much all that they've done in my opinion. Yeah. Surprised um,
0: they've been this quiet this year after the spending spree last year.
1: Yeah, it's almost like that stuff catches up to you. It's almost like the Bills know exactly what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, and I I also I think the Jets had a solid off season too. I I'll be honest, I thought if Tyreek went there, he I would have been more I think the ceiling for Tyreek's legacy would have been higher if he went to the Jets because I I really do believe that Wilson is way better than Tua. So I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, but what do I know? I'm just a podcaster, <laughs> and that doesn't mean Tua is bad. That just means the uh, the the ceiling isn't as high as Wilson's, and that's that's why he went number two overall. Anyways, off season. All this free agency moves have happened. Let's just quickly talk about the needs leading into the draft because the draft is coming up pretty soon here. and i I only see two big needs, three-ish really, if you want to go into it. The two big needs: cornerback, interior offensive line, then wide receiver? maybe yep, that that's yeah. my that's my three big and No needs particular right order. no particular order whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I think uh, I think wide receiver is is a little bit more. I think it's a sneakier Sneaky. need. Sneaky, than, yeah. yeah.
1: That's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah, cornerback is is staring us right in the face, and um, even even if we can get Rick Bates back, and with some of the depth that we've added, I think there's. I think Bates gives you an adequate starter level, but opposite Saffold, and you know. He's an older player on a one-year deal. Um, who knows if he's going to be back? Or any way you look at it, we're going to need uh, more offensive line mm-hmm. line depth in the next year or two.
1: You know what? I I know Joe Marino said this on one of his pods, and it was it's funny because we're talking him back right. Uh, what's his name? Matt Barkley. This team was. What do he say? This team is too good to be one play away from Matt Barkley. This team is too good. To be one play away from Dane Jackson. And that's not to say Dane Jackson's bad, it's just like he's no he's not as good as Tredavius White. And who who are the starting cornerbacks right now? Dane Jackson? Cam Lewis? Cam question mark? I think it'd have to be Cam Lewis. Elijah Griffin? Like no. No, 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 no. The Bills Brandon Mead's a smart dude. And if if he if he doesn't realize that this is a need, then I I I I, I don't know. I don't I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> so, I, but the value's got to be there, right? And we'll do a mock draft episode one of these days, um, coming up to the draft. And I've been I've I've already thought about a couple of moves that I want to do, Ooh. but we'll 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 see, we'll see what happens. But I, it sounds like we're in accordance here: cornerback, interior offensive line. And then wide receiver. Wide receiver because this is a wide receiver wide centric offense. And we need to keep those weapons replenished. So uh, other than that, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Bills Vader. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome into the second half of this episode. My name is Andrew Chang, and you can find me on social media by searching up 2Changs. There's my co-host, Justin Goddard. You can find him on social, social media by searching up JGods22. Welcome back to this second half of the Warner Buffalo podcast, where we are going to talk about our reasons of why to be optimistic of this upcoming season. So to quickly recap the weeks before this one, and uh, the reason why it's 13, I, I've had some people ask why, is because like, we lost with 13 seconds left, basically, in that divisional round. So we're trying to put a spin on things and try to be half glass full, not empty. <laughs> Keep that mentality, right? Growth mindset. So week one, we said Brandon Bean. Number two, Gabriel Davis. Number three, we got Tre'Davious White and the medical staff. Number four, defensive line improvements. Number five, Buffalo has become the destination for free agent players. <laughs> Von Miller. Number six, Bills wide receiver room will improve. Number seven, Rick Bates situation. That's not looking too hot right now, considering uh, we don't know if he's going to be on the team or not. But I still like what he who he is as a player, and if he does come back for the Bills, I'm I'm gonna firmly entrenched that there in the 13 op- reasons to be optimistic number eight was our safeties and how they can transcend the scheme as well as other transcending players such as von miller and josh Alt. and then this brings us to week nine justin we're we're kind of getting to the tail end of 13 reasons of t- uh, to be optimistic here what do you got for us today
0: uh so i wanted to go a couple different ways on this one but I know we initially said in no particular order, but I know we got a we got a couple that we're saving for the top ones. Um, and this kind of goes nice. Duke nicely. Johnson? What's that?
1: Is it Duke Johnson? It is. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> I, I almost o- went. This o- Miller. Zach Moss. With, no, it's not Zach Moss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you kind of let us Mance. into it. Yes, Greg Mance. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'll shut up. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you kind of let us into it um, going into the break. And. My number nine reason for optimism right now um, is what we're going to be able to do in this upcoming draft. Um, Mm -hmm. So I believe we're sitting just under five weeks away. And my reason for the optimism here kind of goes hand in hand in in some of these other things that we've talked about, you know, of the Bills being a destination, um, what Brandon Bean's able to do with the roster. Um, and, And one of my favorite things about how Bean constructs the roster is we, we touched on this earlier with Duke Johnson, how he wants to go into the draft with all the holes primarily full uh, filled. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can really focus on um, best player available and not best attack player available. Right. Not pursuing a position and overdrafting somebody. Um, we talked about, you know, cornerback being the obvious need. Well, if a guy's not there that he wants at 25 and he values at 25, uh, he's not going to go there. Um, and I, I think that also leads me into the idea that we're not done seeing free agency yet, and I'm not sure what the move is going to be. Um, but I, I'm very confident that Bean is going to bring in some caliber of cornerback too. Um, we're seeing Bradbury has been put up on on the trading block by the Giants, and they're not getting the return that they're expecting Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, I read somewhere that the, the best they're really getting offered is like a fourth round pick. So maybe we throw a third round pick their way and they eat some of the cap cause he does have a big cap number. Mm-hmm. Um, but just going into this draft season with, with pretty much every position filled, um, with either the same players last year or some sort of at least short-term upgrade, Um, and just really the doors that can open for us in the draft, you know, we've, we've talked about offensive line, even if it's just depth being a priority, um, maybe we can take a swing on, on a receiver in the first round and, and really take the offense up to the next notch. And, you know, this Bean and McDermott and their time working together have never, they've never really been the type to prioritize a day one, day two corner. You know, we see. Levi Wallace, Um, we see Dane Jackson was either a 6th or a 7th round pick. Um, They're they're good with getting by with these guys, and the idea that maybe we can take a 3rd round cornerback that they think can can be a good player and they can develop into that, that starter... And maybe at twenty five, we can take a, a swing on on one of these big name receivers. The the doors are just really open with with how Bean constructs the roster going into the draft.
1: Yeah, so a lot to unpack there. Currently, I believe the Bills have two point whatever million dollars in cap space. So if they were to trade for a guy like James Bradbury, I think it has to make sense. In terms of what we're giving up. Because the Bills have, I think, eight picks going into this draft. There's not eight players. Eight rookies that are probably going to make it to the Bills. At 53-man active roster. If the Bills trade away some later round picks to make that happen, I'm for it. I'm definitely for it. The third round pick... I don't know if I'm completely on board with. I'm just like, ooh, that's the round you really take swings on on players really such as oh, what's his name? uh Spencer Brown and I, you know, I I love I love stuff like that. Those players need work. So I, I don't know. I I it's like what you're giving up to get. Right? Your marginal profit. And Not knowing what I'm possibly giving up to get James Bradbury is kind of buyer beware kind of type vibes for me. Like I I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm definitely for James Bradbury coming over here. But if we give the fourth (laughs) and package that last seventh round pick, I'd be down for that or maybe a fifth and a seventh. I'm cool with that. I don't I don't really know how they value James Bradbury on the open market because we see players go for six picks like Tyreek Hill. We see players <laughs> go for two picks like Devontae Adams. We this offseason makes no sense to me. And like Stefan Diggs tweeted out, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like I don't know, Stefan. I don't know. I I just don't know. And I like this reason for optimism because Okay. The bills get a I think that there's this is a bad year if you want a quarterback, right? I think that there is a good amount of cornerbacks in this league. But I think there's a good like there's there's the cream of the crop. And if you can't get one of those cream of the crop, the standard deviation from them to the other guys is maybe not so promising to do in the first round. So, if it makes if you can get one of those cornerbacks then yeah, go for it in my personal opinion. If you could get one of those wide receivers at the tail end of the first round, which is in my opinion more likely than not as opposed to the cornerbacks cuz the cornerbacks just look the top ones look real good. Then yeah, sure, go for it. The value just probably won't be as good. And in terms of offensive line, interior offensive line, I don't know how that really works. Like, I mean, same thing. It's got to make sense. If they're if if one of those top guys are there at 25, hey, go for it and it makes sense. I don't know what the drop off is is from the top guys to the other guys. So, I the draft season is so cool. In my opinion, you you can just it's it's hard because when people come out with mock drafts, they're heavily influenced by what they would do personally or they're trying to be as predictive as possible to what Brandon Bean and the whole scouting department would do. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm like hogging the mic here, but it is so hard To predict stuff like that. You're basically just trying to say, I'm Brandon Bean. This is what I do. While trying to do it on the free version of the mock draft machine or the PFF machine and going off their grade books and their big boards. (laughs) I've traded all my picks for the next seven years, but I
0: moved up to the number one spot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You remember last year when everyone wanted to, what, what was that Titan that came out of Florida? Oh my God. I'm blanking on him. Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Everyone was like, all right. Do we give up the farm and the house for a guy like Kyle Pitts? I have all these deals packaged up to move up the board and to do this. Dude, I think Brandon Bean does it. Make it happen. It's just like, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Like, <laughs>
0: I was trading up to make sure I
1: got Javion Hawkins, and he went undrafted. I See? Stuff like this happens. And I guess this is the most optimistic reason one of the most optimistic reasons in its true nature of optimism if that makes any sense what is optimism right you're 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 excited and infatuated with what is to come i don't know what's coming but i know this for a fact after the draft the buffalo bills will have become a better team and in that essence that is the true essence of optimism, so i I'm all on board with that 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 is a great reason and i I'm done hogging the mic here, so justin i'll let you i'll let you add to whatever i i just regurgitated out of my mouth
0: <laughs> yeah i I just had like one more other thing i I wanted to touch on with with what we could conceivably see from Brandon Bean in this draft, and that's you know, we've seen this the past couple of years, where he he fills all the holes that he can, and and tries to have a roster he'd be comfortable with before he even goes into the draft. That being said, we haven't really seen it executed to the level of of what he's done this year, and in particular, the move bringing in Von Miller. Um, pass rush has been something that we've been we've been hurting for uh, a real game wrecker. Um And he's tried so hard yeah and and do i love do I love paying nearly twenty million dollars a year for it? No, I don't. I wish you know we hit it in the draft, um but those guys are hard still to get good,
1: yeah, still good
0: and, and it could still be group, but those guys are hard to get at the tail end of round one. um What I think is really interesting for being this year is looking at a draft last year where. You know we still had some some holes to fill, and a guy like Jack Anderson, who we took in the seventh round, um, gets poached off our practice squad. Well, I, I think there's even less chance of some of these rookies making the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is I think this is gonna be the year that Bean is able to be his most true version of himself, and that that wheelin' and dealing Brandon Bean, like what's he gonna get done? And I wouldn't be aggressive.
1: Be be aggressive. (laughs) I wouldn't
0: be. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, maybe, move up in the first round, move back in the second round, pop back into the tail end of the second round, and I I think you said eight picks earlier. I'm I'm almost positive it's nine picks, but it's either eight or nine, and I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if we come away from this draft with, maybe six players. Oh Um, yeah, and I I know it's important to get the the young cheap labor on the rookie deals with Josh Allen's contract and some of these people that are coming up that need to get paid. But I'm all for six players that we know are going to make the team and possibly make an impact on this team year one, then nine guys and having three guys on the practice squad that people are going to be just
1: pecking at trying to get. Yeah. Yeah. That well said. I'm all about getting players, and and I think I said eight because we traded the la- our second seventh for Case Keenum. I I mean I could be wrong. I I don't really know. Regardless, like we're on the same page here. The Bills aren't going to keep all nine of their nine eight or nine picks in our opinion, in our unprofessional, very unprofessional opinion. Very unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, we'll see what happens this week, uh, because hey, maybe Brandon Bean's got some other sleeves or other tricks up his sleeves—not his sleeves up his tricks. That would be weird. Yeah, he might have that too. <laughs> yeah, we Bean Bean has propensity to work after dark. Or after dark, so we'll 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 see what he has to do this this coming week. In any event. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and view our podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can find me on social media by searching up 2Changs. You can find Justin at where, where again? Huh? You can find me
0: anywhere on social medias at jgods22. Uh, hit us up if you want to be part of the show. Leave a comment. Give us some questions you want us to
1: answer. Go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can always find us, again, on the Built in Buffalo Network. We appreciate you listening. And as always, go Go Bills. Bills.